Welcome to the Stillwaters Revival Books, reading of Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will. This is the ninth reading in this series. Stillwaters Revival Books makes thousands of classic, Puritan, and Reformed books and sermons available, free and at great discounts in print, audio, and video formats at PuritanDownloads.com. If you would like to join our email list to stay up to date about all the new free and discounted Puritan and Reform resources we make available, please send an email to swrb at swrb.com with the word ADD in the subject line. For more information about the Puritan Publishing Ministry of SWRB, please email us at swrb at swrb.com and now to the reading of Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will Section 66 We now come to the New Testament where again are marshaled up in defense of that miserable bondage of free will and host of imperative sentences together with all the auxiliaries of carnal reason such as conclusions, similitudes, and such called in from all quarters. And if you ever saw, represented in a picture or imagined in a dream, a king of flies attended by his forces armed with lances and shields of straw or hay, drawn up in battle array against a real and complete army of veteran warriors, it is just thus that the human dreams of the diatribe are drawn up in battle array against the hosts of the words of God. First of all, marches front and forth that of Matthew 23:37 through 39 as it were the Achilles of these flies. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, and thou wouldest not. If all things be done from necessity, says the diatribe, might not Jerusalem here have justly said in reply to the Lord, Why dost thou weary thyself with useless tears? If thou didst not will that we should kill the prophets, why didst thou send them? Why dost thou lay that out to our charge? Which from will in thee was done of necessity by us. Thus the diatribe. I answer. Granting in the meantime that this conclusion and proof of the diatribe is good and true, what, I ask, is proved thereby? That probable opinion which affirms that free will cannot will good. Nay, the will is proved to be free, whole, and able to do all things which the prophets have spoken. And such a will the diatribe never intended to prove. But let the diatribe here reply to itself. If free will cannot will good, why is it laid to its charge? 
that it did not hear the prophets whom as they taught good it could not hear by its own powers why does Christ in useless tears weep over those as though they could have willed that which he certainly knew they could not will here I say let the diatribe free Christ from the imputation of madness according to its probable opinion and then my opinion is immediately set free from that Achilles of the flies therefore that passage of Matthew either forcibly proves free will altogether or makes with equal force against the diatribe itself and strikes it prostrate with its own weapon but I here observe as I have observed before that we are not to dispute concerning that secret will of the divine majesty and that that human temerity which with incessant perverseness is ever leaving those things that are necessary and attacking and trying this point is to be called off and driven back that it employ not itself in prying into those secrets of majesty which it is impossible to attain to seeing that they dwell in that light which is inaccessible as Paul witnesseth 1 Timothy 6 16 but let the man acquaint himself with the God incarnate or as Paul saith with Jesus crucified in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge but hidden for in him there is an abundance both of that which he ought to know and of that which he ought not to know the God incarnate then here speaks thus I would and thou wouldst not the God incarnate, incarnate I say was sent for this purpose that he might desire speak do suffer and offer unto all all things that are necessary unto salvation although he should offend many who being either left or hardened by that secret will of majesty should not receive him thus desiring speaking doing and offering as John 1 5 saith the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not and again he came unto his own and his own received him not it belongs also to this same God incarnate to weep to lament and to sigh over the perdition of the wicked even while the will of majesty from purpose leaves and reprobates some that they might perish nor does it become us to inquire why he does so but to revere that God who can do and wills to do such things nor do I suppose that anyone will 
cavalierly deny that that will which here saith how often would I was displayed to the Jews even before God became incarnate seeing that they are accused of having slain the prophets before Christ and having thus resisted his will for it is well known among the Christians that all things were done by the prophets in the name of Christ to come who was promised that he should become incarnate so that whatever has been offered unto men by the ministers of the word from the foundation of the world may be rightly called the will of Christ. Section 67 But here reason who is always very knowing and loquacious will say this is an excellently invented skate gap that as often as we are pressed close by the force of arguments we might run back to that to be revered will of majesty and thus silence the disputant as soon as he becomes troublesome just as astrologers do who by their invented epicycles elude all questions concerning the motion of the whole heaven I answer it is no invention of mine but a command supported by the holy scriptures Paul in Romans 9.19 speaks thus why therefore doth God find fault for who hath resisted his will nay but O man who art thou that contendeth with God hath not the potter power and so on and before him Isaiah 58 2 yet they seek me daily and desire to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness they ask of me the ordinances of justice and desire to approach unto God from these words it is I think sufficiently manifest that it is not lawful for men to search into the will of majesty and this subject is of that nature that perverse men are here the most led to pry into that to be revered will and therefore there is here the greatest reason why they should be exhorted to silence and reverence in other subjects where those things are handled for which we can give a reason and for which we are commanded to give a reason we do not this and if anyone still persists in searching into the reason of that will and do not choose to hearken to our admonition we let him go on and like the giants fight against God while we look on to see what triumph he will gain persuaded in ourselves that he will do nothing either to injure our cause or to advance his own
for it will still remain unalterable that he must either prove that free will can do all things or that the scriptures which he adduces must make against himself and whichsoever of the two shall take place he vanquished lies prostrate while we as conquerors stand upright section 68 another passage is that of Matthew 20 or 19:17 if thou wilt enter into life keep the commandments with what face says the diatribe can if thou wilt be said to him who has not a free will to which I reply is therefore the will according to this word of Christ free but you wish to prove that free will cannot will anything good and that without grace it of necessity serves sin with what faith then do you now make will wholly free the same reply will be made to that also if thou wilt be perfect if anyone will come after me he that will save his life if ye love me if ye shall continue in a word as I said before to ease the diatribe's labor in adducing such a load of words let all the conditional ifs and all the imperative verbs be collected together all these precepts says the diatribe stand coldly useless if nothing be attributed to the human will how ill does that conjunctive if accord with mere necessity I answer if they stand coldly useless it is your fault that they stand coldly useless who at one time assert that nothing is to be attributed to free will while you make free will unable to will good and who on the contrary here make the same free will able to will all good nay you thus make them to stand as nothing at all unless with you the same words stand coldly useless and warmly useful at the same time while they at once assert all things and deny all things I wonder how any author can delight in repeating the same things continually and to be as continually forgetting his subject design unless perhaps distrusting his cause he wishes to overcome his adversary by the bulk of his book or to weary him out with the tedium and toil of reading it by what conclusion I ask does it follow that will and power must immediately take place as often as it is said if thou wilt if any one will if thou shalt 
Do we not most frequently imply in such expressions impotency, rather, and, and impossibility? For instance, if thou wilt equal Virgil in signing, my friends, Mevius, thou must sing in another strain. If thou wilt surpass Cicero, friend Scotus, instead of thy subtle jargon, thou must have the most exalted eloquence. If thou wilt stand in competition with David, thou must of necessity produce songs like, the, like his. Here are plainly signified things impossible to our own powers although by divine power all these things may be done. So it is in the scriptures that by such expressions it might be shown what we cannot do ourselves, but what, we, but what can be done in us by the power of God. Moreover, if such expressions should be used in those things which are utterly impossible to be done, as being those which God would never do, then, indeed, they might rightly be called either coldly useless or ridiculous, because they would be spoken in vain. Whereas now they are so used that by them not only the impotency of free will is shown, by which no one of those things can be done, but it is also signified that a time will come when all those things shall be done, but by a power not our own, that is, by the divine power, provided that we fully admit that in such expressions there is a certain signification of things possible and to be done, as if anyone should interpret them thus. If thou wilt keep the commandments, that is, if thou shalt at any time have the will to keep the commandments, though thou wilt have it, not of thyself, but of God, who give it to whom he will, they also shall preserve thee. But to take a wider scope, these expressions, especially those which are conditional, seem to be so placed also on account of the predestination of God and to involve that as being unknown to us, as if they should speak thus, If thou desire, if thou wilt, that is, if thou be such with God, that he shall deign to give thee this will to keep the commandments thou shalt be saved according to which manner of speaking it is given us to understand both truths that we can do nothing ourselves and that if we do anything God works that in us this is what I would say to those who will not be content to have it said that by these words our impotency only is shown 
and who will contend that there is also proved a certain power and ability to do those things which are commanded. And in this way, it will also appear to be truth that we are not able to do any of the things which are commanded, and yet that we are able to do them all, that is, speaking of the former, with reference to our own powers, and of the latter with reference to the grace of God. Section 69 The third particular that moves the diatribe is this how there can be it observes any place for mere necessity there where mention is so frequently made of good works and of bad works and where there is mention made of reward I cannot understand for neither nature nor necessity have merit nor can I understand anything but this that that probable opinion asserts mere necessity where it affirms that free will cannot will anything good and yet nevertheless here attributes to it even merit hence free will gains ground so fast as the book and argumentation of the diatribe increases that now it not only has an endeavor and desire of its own though not by its own powers nay not only wills good and does good but also merits eternal life according to that saying of Christ Matthew 5:12 rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven your reward that is the reward of free will for the diatribe so understands this passage that Christ and the Spirit of God are nothing for what need is there of them if we have good works and merit by free will I say these things that we may see that it is no rare thing for men of exalted talent to be blind in a matter which is plainly manifest even to one of a thick and uninformed understanding and that we may also see how weak arguments drawn from human authority are in divine things where the authority of God alone avails but we have here to speak upon two things first upon the precepts of the New Testament and next upon merit we shall touch upon each briefly having already spoken upon them more fully elsewhere the New Testament properly consists of promises and exhortations even as the old properly consists of laws and threatenings for in the New Testament the gospel is preached which is nothing else than the word by which are offered unto us the spirit grace and the remission of sins obtained for us by Christ crucified and all entirely free through the mere mercy of God the Father 
thus favoring us unworthy creatures who deserve damnation rather than anything else and then follow exhortations in order to animate those who are already justified and who have obtained mercy to be diligent in the fruits of the Spirit and of righteousness received to exercise themselves in charity and good works and to bear courageously the cross and all the other tribulations of this world. This is the whole sum of the New Testament, but how little Erasmus understands of this matter is manifest from this. It knows not how to make any distinction between the Old Testament and the New, for it can see nothing anywhere but precepts by which men are formed to good manners only. But what the new birth is, the new creature, regeneration, and the whole work of the Spirit, of all this it sees nothing whatever. So that I am, I am struck with wonder and astonishment that the man who has spent so much time and study upon these things should know so little about them. This passage, therefore, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, agrees as well with free will as light does with darkness. For Christ is there exhorting not free will but his apostles, who were not only raised above free will and grace and justified, but were stationed in the ministry of the word, that is, in the highest degree of grace to endure the tribulations of the world. But we are now disputing about free will, and that particularly, as it is without grace, which, by laws and threats, or the Old Testament, is instructed in the knowledge of itself only, that it might flee to the promises presented it in the New Testament. Section 70 As to merit or a proposed reward what is it else but a certain promise but that promise does not prove that we can do anything it proves nothing more than this if anyone shall do this thing or that he shall then have a reward Whereas our subject inquiry is not what reward is to be given or how it is to be given, but whether or not we can do those things for the doing of which the reward is to be given. This is the point to be settled and proved. Would not these be ridiculous conclusions? The prize is set before all that run in the race. Therefore, all can so run as to obtain. If Caesar shall conquer the Turks, he shall gain the kingdom of Syria. Therefore, Caesar can conquer and does conquer the Turks. If free will shall gain dominion over sin, it shall be holy before God. Therefore, free will is holy before the Lord. 
but away with things so stupid and uh, openly absurd, except that free will deserves to be proved what it is by arguments so excellent. Let us rather speak to this point, that necessity has neither merit nor reward. If we speak of the necessity of compulsion, it is true. If we speak of the necessity of immutability, it is false. For who would bestow a reward upon or ascribe merit to an unwilling workman? But with respect to those who do good or evil willingly, even though they cannot alter that necessity by their own power, the reward or punishment follows naturally and necessarily. As it is written, Thou shalt render unto every man according to his works. Proverbs 24.29 It naturally follows, If thou remain under water, thou wilt be suffocated. If thou swim out, thou wilt be saved. To be brief, as it respects merit or reward, you must speak either of, the, of its worthiness or of the consequence. If you speak of the worthiness, there is no merit, no reward. For if free will cannot of itself will good but wills good by grace alone for we are speaking of free will apart from grace and inquiring into the power which properly belongs to each who does not see that that good will merit and reward belong to grace alone here then, again, the diatribe dissents from itself, while it argues from merit the freedom of the will. And with me, against whom it fights, it stands in the same condemn condemnation as ever. That is, it's asserting that there is merit, reward, and liberty. Makes the same as ever directly against itself. Seeing that it asserted above that it could will nothing good and undertook to prove that assertion. If you speak of the consequence, there is nothing either good or evil which has not its reward. And here arises an error that in speaking of merits and rewards we agitate opinions and questions concerning worthiness which has not existence when we ought to be disputing concerning consequences. For there remains as a necessary consequence the judgment of God and a hell for the wicked, even though they themselves neither conceive nor think of such a reward for their sins. Nay, they utterly detest it, and, as Peter saith, execrate it. 2 Peter 2, 10-14 In the same manner, there remains a kingdom for the just, even though they themselves neither seek it nor think of it, 
seeing that it was prepared for them by their father not only before they themselves existed but before the foundation of the world nay if they should work good in order to obtain the kingdom they never would obtain it but would be numbered rather with the wicked who with an evil and mercenary eye seek the things of self even in God whereas the sons of God do good with a free will seeking no reward but the glory and will of God only ready to do good even if which is impossible there were a kingdom neither nor a hell these things are I believe sufficiently confirmed even from that saying of Christ only which I have just cited Matthew 25 34 come ye blessed of my father receive the kingdom which was prepared for you from the foundation of the world how can they merit that which is theirs and prepare for them before they had existence so that we might much more rightly say the kingdom of God merits us its possessors and thus place the merit where the where these place the reward and the reward where these place the merit for the kingdom is not merited but before prepared and the sons of the kingdom are before prepared for the kingdom but do not merit the kingdom for themselves that is the kingdom merits the sons not the sons the kingdom so also hell more properly merits and prepares its sons seeing that Christ saith depart ye cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels Matthew 25 41 section 71 but says the diatribe what then mean all those scriptures which promise a kingdom and threaten hell why is the word reward so often repeated in the scriptures as thou hast thou thy reward I am thy exceedingly great reward again who rendered unto every man according to his work and Paul in Romans 2 6 who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for eternal life and many of the same kind Roman 2 6 and 7 it is answered by all these passages the consequence of reward is proved and nothing else but by no means the worthiness of merit seeing that those who do good do it not from a servile and mercenary principle in order to obtain eternal life but that they seek eternal life that is they are in that way in which they shall come unto and find eternal life 
so that seeking is striving with desire and pursuing with ardent diligence that which always leads unto eternal life and the reason why it is declared in the scriptures that those things shall follow and take place after a good or bad life is that men might be instructed, admonished, awakened, and terrified. For as by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans 3.20, and an admonition of our impotency, and as from that it cannot be inferred that we can do anything of ourselves. So, by these promises and threats, there is conveyed an admonition by which we are taught that we will follow sin and that impotency made known by the law. But there is not by them anything of worthiness ascribed unto our merit. Wherefore, as the words of the law are for instruction and illumination to teach us what we ought to do, and also what we are not able to do, so the words of reward, while they signify what will be hereafter, are for exhortation and threatening, by which the just are animated, comforted, and raised up to go forward, to persevere, and to conquer, that they might not be wearied or disheartened either in doing good or enduring evil, as Paul exhorts in his Corinthians, saying, Be ye steadfast, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15:58. So also God supports Abraham, saying, I am thy exceedingly great reward. Genesis 15:1. Just in the same manner as you would console anyone by signifying to him that his works certainly please God. Which kind of consolation the scriptures frequently uses. Nor is it a small consolation for anyone to know that he so pleases God that nothing but a good consequence can follow even though it seems to him impossible. Section 72 To this point pertain all those words which are spoken concerning the hope and expectation that those things which we hope for will certainly come to pass. For the pious do not hope because of these words themselves, nor do they expect such things because they hope for them. So also the wicked, by the words of threatening and of future judgment, are only terrified and cast down that they might cease and abstain from sin and not become proud, secure, and hardened in their sins. But if reason should here turn up her nose and say, Why does God will these things to be done by his words, when by such words nothing is effected? 
and when the will can turn itself neither one way nor the other why does he not do what he does without the word when he can do all things without the word for the will is of no more power and does no more with the word if the spirit to move within be wanting nor is it of less power nor does it do less without the word if the spirit be present seeing that all depends upon the power and operation of the Holy Spirit I answer thus it pleaseth God not to give the spirit without the word but through the word that he might have us as workers together with him while we sound forth in the word without what he alone works by the breath of his spirit within wheresoever it pleaseth him which nevertheless he could do without the word but such is not his will and who are we that we should inquire into the cause of the divine will it is enough for us to know that such is the will of God and it becomes us bridling the temerity of reason to reverence love and adore that will for Christ in Matthew 11:25 and 26 gives no other reason why the gospel is hidden from the wise and revealed unto babes than this so it pleased the father in the same manner also he might nourish us without bread and indeed he has given a power which nourishes us without bread as Matthew 4 4 saith man doth not live by bread alone but by the word of God but yet it hath pleased him to nourish us by his spirit within by means of the bread and instead of the bread used without it is certain therefore that merit cannot be proved from the reward at least out of the scriptures and that moreover free will cannot be proved from merit much less such a free will as the diatribes set out to prove that is which of itself cannot will anything good and even if you grant merit and add to it moreover those usual similitudes and conclusions of reasons such as it is commanded in vain the reward is promised in vain threatenings are denounced in vain if there be no free will all these I say if they prove anything prove this that free will can of itself do all things but if it cannot of itself do all things then that conclusion of reason still remains 
Therefore, the precepts are given in vain. The promises are made in vain. And the threatenings are denounced in vain. Thus the diatribe is perpetually arguing against itself. As often as it attempts to argue against me. For God alone by his spirit works in us both merit and reward. But he makes known and declares each by his external word to the whole world. To the intent that his power and glory and our impotency and vileness might be proclaimed even among the wicked, the unbelieving and the ignorant. Although those alone who fear God receive these things into their heart and keep them faithfully, the rest despise them. Section 73 It would be too tedious to repeat here each imperative passage which the diatribe enumerates out of the New Testament always tacking to them her own conclusions and vainly arguing that those things which are so said are to no purpose, are superfluous, are coldly useless, are ridiculous, are nothing at all, if the will not be free. And I have already repeated, obser repeatedly observed, even to discuss that nothing whatever is affected by such arguments and that if anything be proved the whole of free will is proved and this is nothing less than overthrowing the diatribe altogether seeing that it set out to prove such a free will as cannot of itself do good but serves sin and then goes on to prove such a free will as can do all things, thus throughout forgetting and not knowing itself. It is mere cavillation where it makes these remarks. By their fruit saith the Lord, ye shall know them. Matthew seven sixteen and 20 he calls works fruits, and he calls them ours, but they are not ours, if all things be done by necessity. I pray you, are not those things most rightly called ours, which we did not indeed make ourselves, but which we received from others? Why should not those works be called ours which God has given unto us by his Spirit? Shall we then not call Christ ours because we did not make him but only received him? Again, if we made all those things which are called ours, therefore we made our own eyes, we made our own hands, we made our own feet, unless you mean to say that our eyes, our hands, and our feet are not called our own. Nay, what have we that we did not receive? 
saith Paul. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 Shall we then say that those things are either not ours, or else we made them ourselves? But suppose they are called our fruits because we made them, where then remain grace and the Spirit. Nor does he say, By their fruits, which are in a certain small part their own, ye shall know them. This cavillation rather is ridiculous, superfluous, to no purpose, coldly useless, nay, absurd and detestable, by which the holy words of God are defiled and profaned. In the same way also is that saying of Christ upon the cross trifled with, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23:34 Here where some assertion might have been expected which should make for free will recourse is again had to conclusions How much more rightly says the diatribe would have excused them on this ground because they have not a free will, nor can they, if they willed it, do otherwise. Thus he said, No, nor is that free will which cannot will anything good, concerning which we are disputing, proved by this conclusion either. But, that free will is proved by it which can do all things concerning which no one disputes to accept the Pelagians. Here, where Christ openly saith, they know not what they do, does he not testify that they could not will good? For how can you will that which you do not know. You certainly cannot desire that of which you know nothing. What more forcible can be advanced against free will than that it is such a thing of naught that it not only cannot will good, but cannot even know what evil it does and what good it does. Is there then any obscurity in this saying, they know not what they do? What is there remaining in the scriptures which may not, upon the authority of the diatribe, declare for free will, since this word of Christ is made to declare for it, which is so clearly and so directly against it? In the same easy way, anyone might affirm that this word declares for free will, and the earth was without form and void, Genesis 1-2, or this, and God rested on the seventh day, Genesis 2-2, or any word of the same kind. 
then indeed the scriptures would be obscure and ambiguous nay would be nothing at all but to dare to make use of the scriptures in this way argues a mind that is in a signal manner a contemner both of God and man and that deserves no forbearance whatever section 74 again the diatribe receives that word of John 1:12. to them gave he power to become the sons of God thus how can there be power given unto them to become the sons of God if there be no liberty in our will this word also is a hammer that beats down free will as is nearly the whole of the evangelist John and yet even this is brought forward in support of free will let us I pray you just look into this word John is not speaking concerning any work of man either great or small but concerning the very renewal and transformation of the old man who is a son of the devil into the new man who is a son of God this man is merely passive as the term is used nor does he do anything but is wholly made and John is speaking of being made he saith we are made the sons of God by a power given unto us from above not by the power of free will inherent in ourselves whereas our friend diatribe here concludes that free will is of so much power that it makes us the sons of God if not it is prepared to aver that the word of John is ridiculous and stands coldly useless but whoever so exalted free will is to assign unto it the power of making us the sons of God especially such a free will as cannot even will good which free will is that the diatribe has taken upon itself to establish but let this conclusion be gone after the rest which have been so often repeated by which nothing else is proved if anything be proved at all then that which the diatribe denies that free will can do all things the meaning of John is this that by the coming of Christ into the world by his gospel by which grace was offered but not works required a full opportunity was given to all men of becoming the sons of God if they would believe but as to this willing and this believing on his name as free will never knew it nor thought of it before so much less could it then do it of its own power for how could reason then think that faith in Jesus as the Son of God and man was necessary when even at this day it could neither receive nor believe it though the whole creation should cry out together there is a certain person who is both God and man 
Nay, it is rather offended at such a saying, as Paul affirms in 1 Corinthians 1, 17-31. So far is it from possibility that it should either will it or believe it. John, therefore, is preaching not the power of free will, but the riches of the kingdom of God offered to the world by the gospel, and signifying at the same time how few there are who receive it, that is, from the enmity of the free will against it, the power of which is nothing else than this, Satan reigning over it and causing it to reject grace and the spirit which fulfills the law. So excellently do its, do its endeavor and desire avail unto the fulfilling of the law. But we shall hereafter show more fully what a thunderbolt this passion of John, this passage of John is against free will. Yet I am not a little astonished that passages which make so signally and so forcibly against free will are brought forward by the diatribe in support of free will. Those stupidity, whose stupidity is such that it makes no distinction whatever between the promises and the words of the law, for it most ridiculously sets up free will by the words of the law, and far more absurdly still confirms it by the words of the promise. But how this absurdity is may be immediately solved if it be but considered with what an unconcerned and contemptuous mind the diatribe is here disputing, with whom it matters not whether grace stand or fall, whether free will lie prostrate or sit in state, if it can but, by the words of vanity, serve the turn of tyrants to odium of the cause. Section 75 After this, it comes to Paul also, the most determined enemy to free will, and even he is dragged in to confirm free will. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and patience and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance? Romans 2 4. How, says the diatribe, can the despising of the commandment be imputed where there is not a free will? How can God invite to repentance who is the author of imp impenitence? How can the damnation be just where the judge compels unto evil doing? I answer, let the diatribe see to these questions itself. What are they unto us? The diatribe said according to that probable opinion that free will cannot will good and is of necessity compelled to serve sin. How, therefore, can the despising of the commandment be charged on the will if it cannot will good 
and has no liberty but is necessarily compelled to the service of sin how can God invite to repentance who is the author of the reason why it cannot repent while it leaves or does not give grace to that which cannot of itself will good how can the damnation be just where the judge by taking away his aid compels the wicked man to be left in his wickedness who cannot of his own power do otherwise all these conclusions therefore recoil back upon the head of the diatribe or if they prove anything as I said they prove that free will can do all things which however is denied by the diatribe and by all thus these conclusions of reason torment the diatribe throughout all the passages of scripture seeing that it must appear ridiculous and coldly useless to enforce an exact with so much vehemence when there is no one to be found who can perform for the apostles intent is by means of these threats to bring the impious and proud to a knowledge of themselves and of their impotency that he might prepare them for grace when humbled by the knowledge of sin and what need is there to speak of singly all those parts which are brought forward out of Paul seeing that they are only a collection of imperative or conditional passages or of those by which Paul exhorts Christians to the fruits of faith whereas the diatribe by its appended conclusions forms to itself a power of free will such as so great which can without grace do all things which Paul in his exhortations prescribes Christians however are not led by free will but by the Spirit of God Romans 8:14, and to be led is not to lead but to be impelled as a saw or an axe is impelled by a carpenter and that no one might doubt whether or not Luther asserted things so absurd the diatribe recites his own words which indeed I acknowledge for I confess that the article of Wycliffe all things take place from necessity that is from the immutable will of God and our will is not compelled indeed but it cannot for itself do good was falsely condemned by the council of Constance or that conspiracy or cabal rather nay the diatribe itself defends the same together with me while it asserts that free will cannot by its own power will anything good and that it of necessity serves sin although in furnishing this defense it all the while designs the direct contrary suffice it to have spoken thus in reply to the first part of the diatribe in which it 
has endeavored to establish free will. Let us now consider the latter part in which our arguments are refuted, that is, those by which free will is utterly overthrown. Here you will see what the smoke of man can do against the thunder and lightning of God. The Puritan Hard Drive and the free online Puritan Hard Drive videos are available at PuritanDownloads.com along with many other Puritan and Reformed books for as little as 99 cents each. Hello and welcome to this introductory video for the Puritan Hard Drive by Stillwater's Revival Books. You will soon see why the Puritan Hard Drive is a technological revolution in Puritan, Reformation and Covenanter studies. For over 25 years, Stillwater's Revival Books has provided the worldwide Christian community with the finest in Puritan and Reformation resources, including classic and contemporary printed works, inspirational sermons, audiobooks, and videos. In recent years, our collection of great Christian works has more than doubled, growing to a library that would occupy nearly 130 CDs. The Puritan Hard Drive is a tremendous library of over 12,500 Christian resources on an external hard drive that fits easily in your pocket or purse. It features the works of more than 800 classic and contemporary authors, including John Bunyan, Matthew Henry, Jonathan Edwards, Thomas Manton, Samuel Rutherford, and Charles Spurgeon. Timeless works like the English Hexapla, Fox's Book of Martyrs, Sketches of the Covenanters, and from the Puritan Divines, the complete 34-volume set of the Puritan Fast Sermons. Many of these books are rare and classic titles unavailable anywhere else. Over 25 years in the making, the Puritan hard drive is simply the most extensive Christian collection ever released. The Puritan hard drive comprises more than 12,500 Puritan and Reformation resources, over half a million pages of great Christian books, more than 10,000 sermons and audio books in MP3 format, providing years of listening enjoyment, over 70 videos, all in all, a library of thousands of exceptional works accessible and affordable to everyone. Included on the Puritan hard drive is a custom search engine that makes it easy to find, browse, and organize the resources in your library, and much easier than trying to wade through a typical file directory on your computer. Connect the Puritan hard drive to any available USB port on your PC or Mac. The drive is self-contained, so there's no software to install or configure. Within moments, you can begin exploring the library by running the custom search interface. It's also a knowledge base with information about each work, including the author, title, description, keywords, and subject category. For you techies, this database contains over 4.5 million records of information. For all of us, that means we have an extremely powerful search and study tool. A list of all resources on the Puritan hard drive is available for viewing at any time. 
Here we see that the list of print materials contains over 2,100 works. This view is ideal for browsing all documents or media files in alphabetical order, by title or by author. The list is rather long, so using the search function of the knowledge base is the easiest way of finding resources of interest to you. For example, let's say that my pastor recommended a book by James Henley Thornwell. I can search the knowledge base by author by typing his name in this field or by selecting it from the complete list of nearly 800 authors provided at the click of a button. Clicking the search button executes the search and immediately returns a list of all resources by this author. In this case, I've quickly found the book that was recommended to me. Clicking on the green icon opens the resource, allowing me to begin my reading. Further details about any resource can be found by clicking on the book cover icon, which opens the resource detail page. From here, I can browse the details of this work. I can add and save my own notes about it and open the resource for reading, listening, or viewing. Your search capabilities don't end there. The majority of the rare, classic works on the Puritan hard drive now contain an embedded index. This means that the actual text of these resources is now fully searchable for the first time in history. Enter a search term in Adobe Acrobat Reader. In this case, a search for the word scripture yields instant results. Having searchable text also makes it possible to highlight, copy, and paste the text into another document, such as a sermon, a lesson plan, or a school paper. Less time spent on research means more time for reading, studying, and appreciating the resources in your library. Just another reason why the Puritan hard drive is a technological revolution in Puritan, Reformation, and Covenanter studies. Thank you for watching this introduction to the Puritan hard drive by Stillwater's Revival Books, serving Christians worldwide for over 25 years. Join us in our other videos as we demonstrate even more features and functionality of the Puritan hard drive. For more information, visit us on the web at puritandownloads.com. Until then, be well, and God bless.